Did you know that kindness doesn't only make you happier, but it also slows down aging and it is good for your heart. In this interview, you're going to meet scientist David Hamilton, who's amazing, by the way. And his research into the mind-body connection has led him to write several books, such as How Your Mind Can Heal Your Body, It's the Thought That Counts, and I Heart Me. In this interview, he's going to talk about his book, The Five Side Effects of Kindness, and he will share some incredible research and also some amazingly moving stories that reveals to us how the spirit of kindness is so much bigger than any of us could ever have realized. Don't miss especially the story about a young British soldier who during the Second World War miraculously was saved by the spirit of kindness. The first time I heard this story, I just cried. It's beautiful. So let's head over to this interview now. So what are the five side effects of kindness? In a nutshell, number one is kindness makes us happier. Number two, kindness is good for the heart. Number three, Kindness slows aging. Number four, kindness improves relationships. And number five, kindness is contagious. Fantastic. Let's break those down then. So how is it that kindness actually can make us happier? In a number of ways. First of all, I think it's just the recognition. When you do something kind, something inside of us says, it's almost a spiritual thing, that knows that this is the right thing to do. I think we deeply know that being kind is actually the right thing to do. Get in most circumstances, most of us can relate to that in our lives. On a purely physiological or, or say, neurological level, when we show kindness, it produces changes in the brain, chemical changes. We produce uh, oxytocin, which is a little hormone that's well known for its role in childbirth and re- you know, reproduction and in, and in breastfeeding. So it's been known for a long time, but oxytocin creates this feeling of connection with people and it makes you feel good about the connection. So when you're, you're being kind and a smile on the person's face, you actually feel good about that, that connection that's taking place right there. Secondly, the brain produces serotonin and dopamine. Now, serotonin is that thing that most antidepressants try to elevate. Most antidepressants are trying to raise levels of serotonin, but serotonin levels rise in the process of being kind, receiving kindness, or witnessing an act of kindness. Similarly, dopamine, which is a kind of positive thinking type chemical, because kindness alters how we think about things and how we perceive things that are happening, it raises levels of dopamine. At the same time, depending on the kind of experience, kindness experience we're experiencing, so to speak, it also produces the brain's natural versions of morphine and heroin. Because morphine and heroin are called opiates, so the natural versions are called endogenous opiates, meaning endogenous really means they belong to the body, they're produced by on the inside. So there is quite considerable changes that take place in the brain, physiologically, you know, neurologically, when we give kindness, receive kindness, or are the witness to, to kindness or some other act of moral beauty. So on that level alone, as well as the kind of the spiritual sense that it feels like the right thing to do, that's ultimately why it makes us happier. So it's really like, because I do think we can all feel that it's the most natural thing to do. I mean, children are naturally Absolutely. kind. And we, I, it's like that's our real self. And then when we step into stress and fear, we go into our false self, it, which is not really mm. the real us. But it, it then is as if our bodies, our neurology, our the brain is rewarding us by telling us, this is what you're meant to do. <laughs> this is how you're meant to be. Absolutely. By giving us this 
a kind of the high drugs in a way, so we even feel yeah. better from from doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's almost like like a, a little reward. Yeah. That nature is giving you, saying, "Yes, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how you are supposed to be. Yeah. This is actually what makes the world go round. This is what causes life to flourish and life to to keep moving." Forward is these everyday small little acts of kindness and generosity of spirit. It's all the little things that add up in our each individual days. Even that little making a cup of tea for someone, you know, that little compliment that we pay, that little moment where instead of doing what you try to do, get on with your work, you just spend a moment listening to someone who just wants to say something. These are all tiny little acts of kindness that we would think, normally we think, kindness, I've got to change the world, I've got to do this major big thing. But in actual fact, it's these large of small things that I think are actually the fabric that holds human society together, that holds relationships together, you know, households together, friendships, you know, romantic relationships together. It's not really just the big things that we think about. It's all the tiny little acts of kindness that we don't even notice ourselves doing. I remember my mum, I was talking to my mum about this book, and I, I said to her, my mum's a typical example of, of, you know, people I call everyday heroes. I, I said to my mum, we're talking about kindness, and I said, so when did you last do an act of kindness, mum? And she couldn't think about it, and she said, oh, hey. And, and, and she stopped for a moment, and she's racking her brains. And I said, mum, you just made me some a sandwich and a cup of tea. <laughs> That's an act of kindness. I came into the house, you said you want anything to eat, and you went away and you made me a sandwich and a cup of tea. That's you just did two acts of kindness. I, I call people like that everyday heroes, and I would say just that everyone is an everyday hero because we're all doing those little things, but we do them so naturally. The making the cups of tea, the sandwich, the listening, the paying the compliment, all these small things we do so much that we don't even realise that we're doing them. And I think it's quite inspiring to just notice and point out to people when they're doing it, because somebody's just pointing out to people, you've just been kind there. And they're like, really? What did I do? <laughs> and they, they kind of forget because they haven't noticed. But it's these small things, I think, that really do make the biggest impact because they happen all the time. Absolutely. And also that there may be strangers that do things for you. I remember many years ago, I was, it was the first time I entered into a depression. I was 24 and I was living alone mm. in London and I didn't know anyone. And on my way to the tube station, there was this little market and there was a man selling flowers there and he would smile to me every day. <laughs> and it was that smile. He obviously had no yeah. idea what an impact yeah. that smile Absolutely. had on my day, but it was the smile for me. And Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Or like the girl that you write about in your book who walked past a homeless man. Yeah. I was sitting in a coffee shop. And I looked across and the girl must have been, I guess, about 19. And she walked past and she paused for a second and then she walked on. And I wasn't really paying much attention other than that I was just aware from across the street that this young girl had stopped for a second. Anyway, she came back a few minutes later with a, a cup of coffee or, or it might have been tea uh, and some food for the, the person. And they, they exchanged, they, they chatted for a few moments and then she walked away. And then that seemingly small act of kindness, most people probably didn't notice that. And the girl probably hardly gave it another thought. It's just the kind of person she is, and she just got on with her day. But it had a massive impact in my day because I found myself, I was, I was writing, and I thought, my God, that is incredible. What a lovely thing to do. So as, as I was going through the street, I remember I passed a homeless person. Normally, if I have some change on me, I might give a, a pound or two, but this time I, I gave up 10 pounds. And, and I went to the, some of the shops, and I was being extra nice to people just because I felt 
elevated, uplifted by having witnessed that. And I found myself being nicer, paying more attention to the needs of family uh, as I got home and just listening that little bit more and giving that little bit extra of myself. And lying in my bed that night, I remember realizing the ripple effect that had been caused by that girl stopping for a moment and just giving the homeless person some food and a drink and how she's no idea of the ripple effect that occurred. She actually caused the other person that I gave the £10 to, to get that homeless person to get £10 by stopping to give food and drink to the one person, she actually caused someone else to get money. She caused the other people who I helped throughout that day to receive help throughout that day. But yet she had no idea of the ripple effect that she caused, just like the gentleman in the market who would smile at you, not really realizing what's happening, but yet how that actually touched your life. And here you are, you know, how many years later? 25. And you're still talking. <laughs> yeah. 25 years And you're still talking about it. I mean, yeah. isn't that extraordinary? And I think all of us are doing these little things every day that we don't realize we're doing and we don't realize how important they actually are for maybe one or two people throughout our day. That time you just smile at someone during the day. You never know that that person might be you. You're just needing to see that smile and it just gives them that little bit of hope that day that without your smile they might not have had. And I think it's... Those things, one of my reasons for writing this book is to bring attention to these things and to inspire us to do more of these things. Because I really do believe this is how we change the world. It's in the small ways that the everyday average person can do that have this ripple effect that we don't even notice is going on in the background. Mm, absolutely. And that's in the way then that you write that kindness is actually contagious because it, it's it contagious. spreads. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of research into how the contagion occurs. And it does, it occurs because we feel uplifted. We feel, as if to use that word again, that psychologists use, we feel elevated. So the elevation we feel from giving the kindness, being the witness of the kindness or receiving the kindness, causes us then to go out and do kindness for someone else. And amazingly, when that person receives an act of kindness from us, they feel elevated and they then go on and do something kind. And some scientists have actually measured this ripple effect and found that at the very least, it goes on for three social steps. Meaning you help someone and then they help someone else, one, who helps someone else, two, who helps someone else, three. And you actually have this unseen ripple effect every single day. And it's great that scientists have actually now taken it so seriously that they've actually measured it and found and the way science works is they try to work it why does it occur in the first place and it occurs because we feel elevated we feel inspired or touched if we're the ones receiving the kindness amazing and again you can see that in little children too because they naturally want to be kind to each other absolutely yeah you know one of my childhood memories was me being kind and this is what i say to people because I remember when I was young, I must, it must have been about four years old, maybe I was five, but around about that very young age. And I remember my mum, when I was growing up, would, would say at Christmas time, you know, don't need to get anything from me. I, I'm not really bothered. For me, it's the giving people presents is much more rewarding than receiving presents. I remember as a child going, what? <laughs> I couldn't relate to that, you know. <laughs> But I, I got so excited at Christmas time when I was a child, I could barely sleep for two days or three days leading up to it. I was so excited to get my presents. But yet one of my most powerful memories is, I, as I say, I must have been about four years old, maybe five, and I remember giving my mum and dad a Christmas present. I gave my mum 
it was a Cadbury's flake, <laughs> and I'd, I'd wrapped it up, and I gave my dad a half a dozen of his own dominoes <laughs> <laughs> wrapped in some paper. And the smile on my mum and dad's faces when I gave them their Christmas presents was just so overwhelming to me. And here I am, more than 40 years later, and that experience still makes me smile. And my mum and dad still talk about it, have talked about it. And of all my childhood memories, here's what I remember. Probably one of my strongest memories is the experience of the smile on my mum and dad's face as I, for the first time ever, gave them a Christmas present. Yeah. And again, it's like then if we're looking at it from a physiological perspective, your body would have produced so many feel-good hormones at that moment Absolutely. to also show you this is a good thing to do. This is a good thing Absolutely. to feel. Yeah. yeah, and who knows, maybe that's what taught me more about kindness than anything else was yeah. the experience, the fact that it feels good. And I would say a lot of children have that same experience. We just don't realize that they're actually experience itself. The smiles in our face when, when your daughter or your son or your niece or nephew or another child does something nice and you say, oh, thank you, that was really kind. And we don't realize how much of an effect that actually has on their behavior and how they feel. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. So then we come to how we already touched a little bit about how kindness is good for the heart, but is there any other more research that can show us that it's actually good and healthy for the heart for us to be kind? Yeah, well, in particular, there are two substances in the body that kindness produces. I refer to them in the book as molecules of kindness. I do that because these are two substances that get produced in the human body throughout the cardiovascular system when we're being kind. And one of them I've mentioned already called oxytocin, and the other one's called nitric oxide. And what they both do is they exert an extremely powerful health-giving effect on the heart. So oxytocin itself actually causes the arteries to dilate, so the arteries expand, and that reduces blood pressure. Nitric oxide plays a key role in that. But what nitric oxide also does is nitric oxide helps take blood all around the body. But a very important job it does is it helps to create an optimum balance between the good and the bad cholesterol. So in effect, to, to an extent, what it actually does is clean the crap out of our arteries, so to speak, to get rid of some of what we call the bad cholesterol. It helps to take that out of our arteries. So, and bear in mind that oxytocin and nitric oxide are side effects of kindness, meaning they are substances that get produced when we're being kind. So this is why I call them molecules of kindness. And, and they do a lot more in the heart, but on a very basic level, that's the initial most important things they do is the, the expansion of our blood vessels to reduce our blood pressure, uh, and then secondly, the cleaning of the crap out of our arteries that overall helps to maintain the cleanliness and the health and vitality of our arteries. That's amazing. But also, if we were to look at it from a metaphorical perspective, for example, mm. and we think of the heart as... It's not just the organ, the heart, but also like our heart chakra, our ability to give and receive yes. love. Then it's like it's yeah. showing us that actually being kind opens your heart and it gets yes. rid of all this other crap, as you say, this other stuff <laughs> yeah. that are not in alignment with love. Isn't that beautiful? I haven't really thought about it like that. That's a really beautiful perspective, Sissy. It really is nice, you know, because it, it's that metaphysical, it's that spiritual side of it as well. It's kindness transforms 
hate. You know, love transforms yeah. hate. It transforms negativity in our physical experience, but it also does it biologically. It gets rid of the stuff that creates unhealthiness yeah. inside the heart. Yeah, it heals fear to love. It just heals you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's it's beautiful. Absolutely. And it's funny, when I use that word crap, that, that's, the, of course, the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the real terms for that stuff is, you know, the bad cholesterol, uh, but also things called free radicals and inflammation. These, these three things are largely responsible physiologically for heart disease. And for problems with a cardiovascular system, they're they related to you know the risk of, of heart attack and stroke, for example. But they get produced more so when we are being unkind, being angry or, or hostile. You know, if we've been hostile towards someone, which is expressed contempt, basically, when we've been mean and angry towards people, or when we are you know in, in fear and acting from that space in a negative way towards other people, doing all that kind of stuff can increase these levels of that stuff. So it's almost like the, the negativity, the anger, the fear is having a biological consequence in the heart. And love has a cleaning. It cleanses all that. And when we be loving and kind, it actually cleans all that stuff out. So there really is a symmetry between the outside and the inside. That was Hermes Trismegistus who said that as within, so without. Mm. You know, and it's like as we express on the outside who we are, so we have the same effect on the inside. We have a, a mirror effect on the inside. Mm. I think for me, it just makes so much sense when you can see that, when you can feel that. It's like it's, the body is our friend. It's wanting to show us Absolutely. what is the right path for us. And since then, the body already produces all these natural high <laughs> products Absolutely. from us choosing love. It's like kind of nudging us in that direction. This is the choice. This is the choice that will allow you to not only be healthy and happy, but also naturally create a healthier and happier life. Because as you choose love, your relationships will be transformed too. Absolutely. And you know, this is in large part what I was trying to achieve with this book is bring people's attention to the fact that there's more kindness isn't just that little thing that we do it is immensely healthy emotionally relationships for making a difference but especially on the inside of the body and i hoped that by presenting all this evidence people would start taking it seriously because I don't think ever in the world in recent history have we needed kindness in the world more. And so part one, of, again, one of my reasons for writing this was to try to, to let people know that there's so much that goes on in creating a dialogue of kindness, bringing kindness to the surface of our conversations. In the media, for example, instead of uh, negative news all the time, let's remind, let's realize how good kindness is for making a difference to the ripple effect, for making us happier and healthier. Let's report on some of the heartwarming stuff. Let's bring more of the kindness out into the world. Let's do more kindness. And, and so in the background, this is ultimately what I was trying to achieve by writing on this subject was bringing awareness of kindness, the importance of kindness and the benefits of kindness to the surface of our daily waking consciousness to strike up this dialogue and inspiration. Mm. And in that way, to create that transformation that we can shift our mode of operating Absolutely. So instead of being Absolutely. in that fear-based, stressful place, we can choose to, like the, the woman that was driving a car, to let someone else in and yes. to choose yeah. to be kind. Another story that had a real impact on me when I was reading the book, and I was crying as I read this because I could oh. feel it, was the story of the soldier. Oh, Jack. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I was working years ago. I was working in a bar. Some friends and I had had funded a charity, and as directors of the charity, you you you, you can't earn from the charity. So I was working in a bar during the day and at night time. And every day this elderly gentleman would come in. And I had, I'd hardly spoken with him. He knew some of the other staff, but I had only been there a short period of time. And he would come in every day at lunchtime, right at 12 o'clock, exactly 12 o'clock, and he would order a Bell's whiskey. So one day I got talking to him and I just asked him about his life. And he told me this story that just changed my life. It's, it's had an impact on my life for the last... You know, I heard, I think he told me this 16 years ago, 15 years ago, and I'm still talking about it. And he said he was a young soldier in the Second World War, and somehow he got separated from his company, and he was hiding out, hoping that his uh, company, the British Army, would come back and find him. And he was hiding out in this these bombed-out buildings. But then a group of German soldiers were doing a sweep of the buildings, and they were looking for people, and they were going and checking all the buildings. And he said he, he was hiding in this building, and he was so afraid because he's just a young boy he was terrified and he could hear them coming into the building he was in he could hear the footsteps and he said I brought my gun up to my chest and I was literally shaking I was shaking with fear you know you lose control your body was actually shaking and in his mind he's thinking that I'll, when he comes to I'll have to shoot him I'll shoot him but then he knows if he shoots this person then all the German soldiers will come in and, and, and that's him and he was just so absolutely petrified that when the German soldier came round the corner and saw him shaking and clutching his gun, the German soldier held his gun right towards Jack. And Jack didn't lift his gun because he was so, didn't know what to do. And he was so afraid, he said, I wet myself right there in front of him. And as it rolled out the floor, he said, the German soldier looked at me and he, he could see how afraid I was. And he said, he looked at me, he squinted his eyes a little bit and then he nodded, he smiled at me and then nodded. He put his gun down and he walked away. And he signaled to the other soldiers that the building was clear. And Jack says, despite all that I witnessed during the war, that's the one thing that I most remember about the war. And when he told me there, at that time when I was working in the bar, I was filling up. I could barely serve customers. I thought that it's one of the most extraordinary things I've ever heard. And, uh, and so I, I put it in the book because I, I put lots of little stories of kindness peppered all throughout the book because I want to remind people of how much acts of kindness make a difference. I mean, that German soldier, he's got no idea the number of people have been affected by that, yeah. by act of compassion and letting Jack, realising this is a frightened young boy. He doesn't know what the purpose of the war is. He's just stuck here. Fate has caused him to be in this building and he's terrified. He's just a young boy. He's got a family. He's just a young boy. And the German soldier, recognising that, put his gun down, smiled at him, and walked away. The strength that German soldier showed, because here he is, and he is programmed in a way. He's trained to Absolutely. kill. He's trained to act with hatred and fear. And instead, his heart must have just broken open and he would have connected with his compassionate side and seen this other mm. human being that was terrified and gone against what he was supposed to do and just absolutely show kindness and connect with what is the truth of who he truly is in that moment. Absolutely. And what a ripple effect that had. I know. Because all, all the lives that Jack's touched in his life since being spared on that day yeah. and I've written about it I've talked to thousands of people on yeah. different events about this kind of thing so he 
at the time, you're not thinking about the ripple effect. He obviously wasn't thinking of the consequences. He wasn't thinking about, you know, should I kill him, should I not? Because what will happen if I don't? You know, maybe he'll join his company, they'll shoot us. In the moment, I think the spirit of kindness takes over. And the spirit of kindness is bigger than our philosophies. Yeah. You know, it's bigger than the way that we talk about it, whether it's good to be kind or it's really selfish to be kind. All these different things that we debate about endlessly about the motivations behind kindness. In the moment of being showing real compassion and, ex- and kindness is expressed compassion in one sense. In that moment, the spirit of kindness takes over. And it's much, much bigger. And you don't think anything. You don't think about the ripple effect with us or do. You just be your natural, kind self. And it's the purity of that that causes the biggest of the ripple effects, I think. I mean, that German soldier, he may not even be alive now because I think this is this was probably, let's say this was 1940. I don't think Jack told me exactly what the date was. He may not even be alive at this moment, but yet his act of compassion has had an enormous ripple effect. And it's these little or large things that we do that really are every act of kindness is changing the world. Every act of kindness is making a difference somewhere through the ripple effect because it's encouraging someone else to do something kind, even if you don't even know what they're doing. But every time you do something nice, elevates, it lifts someone else who does something kind because of that. And it's all, the ripple effects are happening all the time. It's like raindrops of kindness that are happening in the ocean of human life. Mm, Beautiful. Anything else you would like to add? I don't know, I'm, I'm just so caught in the spirit of, of mm. kindness right now. For me, it's like kindness, it's the spirit of kindness, such a beautiful description, because it's nearly like an angel of kindness. It's like that. It's like a yeah. real energy of kindness that is, just, is really there and alive yeah. and guiding us. And, it, and it's bigger than us. And it's a point I made in the book, because there's a lot of people who say that the motivation, there is no true altruism, the motivation for kindness it's to benefit from it, it's to, to preserve your own life, it's to preserve society rather than underlying psychology. I just completely ignore that. I completely ignore it. It's endless debates. And I know there's a space for it, of course, you, you have to debate things and write about them in academia, but I'm not slightly interested. You know, I just sidestep it. It's not interesting at all to me. It, my observation and my belief scientifically is in the moment the spirit of kindness takes over and it's much bigger than our debates. It's bigger than our philosophies. It just is something there that just moves you to help someone need. And that's all. Just like that soldier did, because there was absolutely no benefit to him from a logical perspective, but it was benefit to him and to everyone else from a spiritual perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It was bigger than him. It was bigger than the situation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think when we start talking about kindness more and doing kindness more, we make the spirit of kindness even stronger, even bigger than it ever was before. Again, this is one of my motivations behind writing this book, behind spreading this message, is I want us to be more in touch with that spirit of kindness, because I think that is the antidote to the hate that we see in the world. It's the antidote to the fighting that we see in the world. It's the antidote to the political arguments we see in the world. The spirit of kindness, I think, is actually what will change the world for the better. And so the more of us that talk about it, that spread the word about it, that that act upon it ourselves, I think that's how we actually make our world a better place, to use maybe an overused phrase, but I do think that's how we make the world a better place, is to just tap into that spirit of kindness, let let it move us, add to it, and it grows bigger and stronger.
and we might make the spirit of kindness bigger than the apparentness of hate and war and conflict in the world. Mm. Well, it's like we're living in a time of transition where we're starting to want to change that feeling that we're separate and the divide yeah. and the fear and the hatred and us versus them and all of that. That yeah. is very, very, very much coming up to the surface at the moment. And instead connect with that deeper sense of love and kindness and connection and unity and being of assistance to each other which is exactly what the spirit of kindness is about because not only will it then help you to feel better because you have all these feel good byproducts in your body yeah. and it makes you healthy and your heart open but it makes you elevated it makes you Absolutely. feel connected to the rest of humanity Absolutely. Yeah, and the spirit of kindness doesn't have it doesn't recognise sides. No. You know, it doesn't rec it doesn't recognise division at all. It's us and when we are out of the spirit of kindness, when we're not being lifted by it, being uplifted by it, not being elevated by it, it's we create these divisions and we create these sides, me against you, you against them. But the spirit of kindness doesn't notice sides and it doesn't notice division, it's just it recognises the unity of every person and everything as deserving of love and kindness and affection and, and as part of the same overall thing. Beautiful. So what then are the effects of kindness on ageing? There are several processes of ageing. And what a process of ageing really means is it's what's going on in the body that's causing this apparent ageing of the body. You know, we don't have like a kindness, you know, an ageing organ, for example, like the brain is what we think with, so to speak. We just have processes of ageing. So one of the processes of ageing is wrinkles. And again, one of the processes of ageing is, you know, the degeneration of our muscles, these, these kind of things that we have. And it turns out that kindness or the, the molecules of kindness so oxytocin and nitric oxide have a direct impact on seven of these processes and kindness and compassion itself also has a very, exerts a unique effect on one part of the nervous system eh, called vagus nerve. And, and kindness and compassion exert a very unique effect on that that combats two of the processes of aging. So just to mention those, you know, when we show kindness or compassion, we actually improve the health and fitness of the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is, is a branch of, the, of the, the nervous system, a branch of the autonomic nervous system. It's the relax, it's a, the rest, digest and regenerate mode. It plays a role in regeneration of our muscles, for example. It plays a role in overall keeping the balance between our organs and making sure everything in the body is in balance with each other. Mm -hmm. Another thing that it does, it's the body's primary anti-inflammatory system. Mm. Now, the anti-inflammatory system is an incredibly important because inflammation is one of the major processes of aging and I think most people know what inflammation is because we think about it in the sense of the redness and the swelling after a cut or an injury and we know that that's what inflammation is. What we don't realise is inflammation occurs more on the inside of the body and it's a side effect of lifestyle and stress. Mm. And so it occurs in the cardiovascular system and in the immune system, it occurs in our joints. And it's one of the major processes of aging. So ultimately what we want is a very healthy and fit mechanism in the body that is anti-inflammatory. And that's what the vagus nerve does. So the healthier our vagus nerve, the greater its capacity to wipe out a lot of that inflammation that's actually largely causing or contributing heavily to aging. And lots of research studies are now showing that when we cultivate a feeling of kindness and compassion, and it's a feeling 
that's important. And it's a feeling that that's what elevation is, when we feel uplifted through kindness or compassion. When we cultivate that feeling, it actually exerts a healthy effect on the vagus nerve and it causes it to become even healthier. And the scientists measure it by what's called vagal tone. You know, you have muscle tone if you exercise or do yoga, you have good muscle tone. So we have a similar term for the vagus nerve and it's called vagal tone. Mm -hmm. So the higher the vagal tone, the greater the anti-inflammatory capacity of the nervous system. And vagal tone is directly increased through cultivation of the feelings of kindness and compassion. So that is one of the major processes of aging that we are seeing a direct impact on through just being kind and compassionate. Mm. Plus also then with an increased vagal tone, your nervous system will come more into balance. So you'll become calmer. And by you becoming calmer, the stress and the fight and flight mode won't be active. So you will then naturally promote your immune system and your natural healthy growth in the body. Absolutely, because it also impacts on one of the other processes of aging, which is called, and this is a term most people are not familiar with, it's called immunosenescence. And immunosenescence is the gradual weakening of the immune system as we age. Mm. And immunosenescence is actually decreased, meaning the immune system becomes stronger when we are showing kindness and compassion and empathy. And Mm. some research has actually shown the impact of empathy, compassion itself, directly on the, the functioning of the immune system. So when we build a vagal tone, it actually has a countering effect on immunosenescence. Mm. So not only does it help us to slow down the aging, it also helps us to be healthier. So again, it, it's, to be healthier. it ties in with everything else that you, you have already described. So in short, kindness is an essential ingredient to a healthy and happy <laughs> life. Absolutely. It, yeah. you're, you're right. It is, a, it is an essential Ingredient. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's an essential ingredient. Imagine if mm. we were taught this at school. What warns me is a lot of schools get involved in what's now called a kindness week or rack week, random acts of kindness week. And a lot of schools now get involved in that where during that entire week, the kids are encouraged to be kind. And the teachers, you know, give them examples of things that they can do. And, you know, and the kids are encouraged to do it all. And then they report back on how they feel. And it's a wonderful experience for the children getting to feel what it feels like the good feelings that you feel uh, through helping someone and you get to see the benefits on these people that, that one of the things i read about one of the, the rack weeks is that one of the teachers took a group of kids into a hospital and they would just sit with an elderly person and listen to the elderly person telling a story about their life and it was such a seemingly small thing but the kids were so uplifted and warmed by by realising how much that meant to the elderly people in the hospital. And I think these kind of things have a lasting impression on children, just like, one of my, as I say earlier, one of my strongest memories from childhood was the smile on my mum and dad's faces as I gave my mum a Cadbury's flake and my dad half a dozen of his own dominoes wrapped in some paper. <laughs> but I still remember that more than 40 years later. And so I think when children are encouraged to participate in Kindness Week, for example, it really can have a massive impact on who they become as adults and which will then shape the rest of their lives and ultimately really shape the impact they have on the world. Mm. And also I think it's also in your book one of the quickest ways of getting out of a kind of a low state if you're feeling depressed or just worried about life that we normally can get kind of stuck in but it's to go out and do something for someone else. 
Absolutely. It's helping someone else. One of my dearest friends was seriously depressed a number of years ago and she'd made uh, two suicide attempts. She'd been spent a month in a locked ward after a suicide attempt. And what finally brought her out of the depression was she'd watched the film Patch Adams with the late Robin Williams playing the part of Patch, the, the, the laughing doctor. Mm-hmm. And she knew, she'd heard that Patch was making a hospital called the Gazunta Institute, which would be a hospital that didn't require any medical insurance and all of the care was given for free, and that's just, this was his vision. So my friend Margaret sent him a fax, and this was back in 1999, sent him a fax asking could she come and be a patient in this hospital. And Fatch faxed her back the same day to say my hospital isn't built yet, but as you know, I was seriously depressed. I made suicide attempts myself. If I could offer you some advice, it would be this. And he wrote, go out and serve and see your depression lift. Mm. And Margaret took him at... His word. And Margaret started taking every opportunity she could to listen to people, to help people. And her and her husband, Kenny, joined a local charity that befriended people who had mental health problems and became the support for these people who were also going through depression. And they would just be there for them as a support, as a friend. So it's called befriending. And Margaret did other charitable works. And within a short space of time, she completely came out of depression just by giving of our time and service to other people. And a huge amount of scientific research has now shown that kindness, that giving itself, is actually an antidote for depression. It's, it really is a treatment for depression. And we've largely forgotten that in the West with the focus on pharmaceutical treatments. And I'm not suggesting that we don't take pharmaceutical treatments. I'm a great believer in a holistic in a, an integrated approach when we take the best of everything. But I think we've just forgotten that service of others is a potent treatment. In fact, up until 100 years ago, it was the main treatment. It was actually called world treatment. And it occurred back in the, the late 18th, early 19th century when William Chook founded the York Retreat, which was for people with serious depression, were brought to this retreat centre. And the only treatment was caring for each other. Each person had multiple jobs which were in the service of others, so like cleaning someone's room, preparing the food, eh, tidying the house, tidying the garden, listening to people, helping people. And everybody knew that their jobs were all about helping each other. And it, it became so powerful that, that actually it formed part of what the Quaker movement actually was. And it became so big in the United States that they started, they called it moral treatment. And it was one of the most powerful treatments for depression before the advent of pharmaceutical treatment. And I just think we've forgotten that now, and I'm not suggesting we don't take pharmaceutical treatment, but if doctors understood that in addition to what they're prescribing, you could actually prescribe a kindness prescription mm-hmm. and suggest that people join a charity, do some volunteer work, take an opportunity to be kind, knowing that doing so will actually help them to feel better. Absolutely, because everyone wants to feel connected and that we're making a difference and that we matter in that way and that we naturally want to connect with other people, with other human beings, not just people, with yeah. animals, with the world, with yeah. life all around us. Yeah, and sometimes deep in the psyche, one of the causes of a lot of people's you know, continuing depression is that feeling of isolation, of not being worth it, of not making a contribution, of not being connected. Deep mm. in the psyche, because we need connection, like you notice that a lot of people who are suffering depression they're not connecting as much and deep in the psyche. We require that connection. So what the kindness actually does is it gives us deep in the psyche, deep in our the genome, deep in our biology, that which we actually need. Mm. So this is why it's such a powerful treatment for depression because it's, it's supplying for us the connection that we actually need. 
And that brings up the whole, I remember talking about this and someone said, so basically if you're asking depressed people, that they're really being selfish then. Okay, but try telling someone who's deeply depressed that doing something kind of selfish and they're not interested in listening to you, they're just looking for the connection itself. And again, it comes down to this. We don't need to talk about the academics, the debates about whether kindness is selfish or whatever it is. In the moment of kindness, the spirit of kindness takes over and it's much mm. bigger mm. than our debates. It's bigger than our philosophies. And I think sometimes we need to just leave it alone. <laughs> Stop talking about it mm. and the, the questioning and the negative and just get out there and help each other. For more information about David, visit drdavidhamilton.com. And if you'd like to listen to some free guided meditations, then head over to cecilwilliams.com slash soultribe. There you can also listen to some short snippets from my new lecture series called Say Yes to Miracles on topics such as on how you can let spirit lead and not the ego mind, or how the body and soul are working together to help you awaken. For more information, visit cecilwilliams.com slash soultribe. On my website, you can also access the latest free issue of the Spiritual Wellbeing magazine, Inspired Wellbeing, which features interviews with Tasha Silver, Colette Baron-Reed, Corinne Supko, and articles on how you can connect more deeply with the cycles of the moon and with the Divine Feminine. To access this free magazine, go to cecilwilliams.com magazine. Wishing you lots of love until our next week's episode. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.